0: Nick Flanagan Weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly Four times a week for you And we'll get more into that after the clip.
1: This is an emergency. This is a national crisis 1,400 people dying in 16 months is a disaster. It's a national disaster. You are not doing enough. The bodies keep mounting. And yes, cannabis, we are here about legalization of cannabis, but we need millions of dollars. I am a frontline worker who's not been on her job the last six weeks because people keep dying around me, and I am completely traumatized because we don't have the resources to do our work. And it is up to you, Mr. Prime Minister, to find those millions of dollars so we can open those clinics and get access so that more More people don't die. And I would say to you that you should look to the model in Portugal. They stopped their overdose epidemic when they decriminalized drugs. And they've had that model for 10 years and it's been exceptional and we have models to look at. And I would say, be brave. You talk about the safety of children, you talk about the safety of youth, it is young people who are dying, it is young people who elected you. Save their lives too. It's between the ages of 30 and 39 who are dying in BC. Those are young people. Those are people who have value. And it is not stopping, and it is not slowing down. Do something. Seriously, do something.
0: Welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. Hi. It's been a while. I know. I call it your four times a week weekly show. This week, it's like twice. But this episode is pretty long. And it's a long discussion with uh, Zoe Dodd, who um, you just heard the audio of her addressing Justin Trudeau which we get into in our conversation. Zoe's an old friend of mine. I first met her, she used to throw um, parties for basically the um, punk rock community of Toronto. Very bonding stuff, you know, to bring a bunch of people together in a room, not at a rock show. So that was something she kept doing for years, and I really think it helped keep a little group of people uh, close to each other, and also, you know, there'd be visiting bands and we'd all meet that. So she was just amazing for creating a community even within the punk rock scene. And she sang in bands called Concrete Tank and The Bayonets. And from there, she wound up getting into housing issues and uh, has become recently an activist uh, for uh, overdose prevention sites, as well as working as a frontline worker at the Moss Park location in Toronto. So she gets all into that. It's a really interesting interview. uh, It's not really an interview. It's kind of more of a conversation. I get weird and silly. We talked for a long time, so it's edited. But I'm going to include links to the Overdose Prevention Society fundraising site and to their website so you can find out more about what they're doing. The idea of decriminalizing opiates and, and other drugs might seem crazy to you but I think that given the circumstances we're in in the world right now where the drug trade is massive uh, the ele- the illegal drug trade is, is huge the deaths from drugs are awful and the stigma I- is real there-, there needs to be a solution and I think some level of this is at least worth talking about and um getting things out of the black market and and not everybody can do the 12 steps not everybody can do full recovery do they deserve to die because of the drugs they're on or should these things be control should there be a new means of controlling this epidemic anyway i'm a comedian and i've got a show this week no i'm not promoting anything on this one it's a serious discussion but it does get funny too and i do show and tell at the end so enjoy this interview with Zoe Dodd. Uh, the, my guest today is Zoe Dodd of the Bayonets. That was one of her bands. Concrete Tank. That was one of your bands.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You were born in the Yukon.
1: No, I was born in England. Actually, you
0: were born in England, and then you moved to the Yukon. Uh no. You were born in the England, and then you moved to the, Scotland. Scotland.
1: And then Vancouver.
0: And then Vancouver.
1: Then Edmonton. Edmonton. Then the Yukon. Then the
0: Yukon. <laughs> And now you currently are a spokesperson of sorts.
1: I'm an I'm a, advocate. I'm an advocate. You but know? you're
0: also every day. <laughs> every day. What are you doing every day?
1: Every day I'm doing stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Every day. You aren't doing stuff. I do day. a lot of things all day long. I work in an overdose prevention site. Yes. I manage, or not manage, I coordinate a hepatitis C program. Uh-huh. And I go to university, and I'm doing my master's without an undergrad.
0: Sounds normal.
1: It's really normal.
0: (laughs) Sounds like a normal group of things. Uh, So are you involved with the Overdose Prevention Society? (laughs) Yes, I am. Okay, I'm one of the
1: co-organizers, and yeah.
0: And in Toronto, that's your main base of doing this, right?
1: Yeah, like right now, I'm mostly focused on the overdose crisis.
0: So this has kicked into high gear, starting Mm -hmm. what? Two years ago?
1: The overdose, like us taking it on and just like being really political, politically active. Yeah, it's been two years, but we'd been doing, like it'd been ramping up because the crisis had been ramping up for a while.
0: You might know Zoe from yelling at the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, on television.
1: That was good.
0: Yeah, you did that. That
1: was a historic, that's historical.
0: It was historical. It put. Did, would you, did that raise your profile, do you think?
1: Oh my God, yeah, so many people... I became a household name. Did oh, you just kidding? I think oh, yeah. no, a lot of people like that went viral. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that.
0: You didn't expect yelling at the Prime Minister on live TV that people were dying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, under his watch, which is absolutely True.
1: So Vice asked me to, like, to rehearse a question and then to ask the Prime Minister, but I was mm-hmm. so mad.
0: So you were there for Vice, on behalf of Vice, yeah, basically? Yeah, That I was thought, how you got into that? Yeah,
1: Vice tracked me down, and then uh, I said... And this you was come a town hall? Was, like, I'm sorry. On sorry, cannabis. On, town it was hall. a town
0: hall on cannabis. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. we just legalized cannabis. Right. So they wanted to ask... Okay, they were like, okay, well, this is good. We have all these different perspectives, so let's find someone who can ask about like legalizing all drugs. Right. So they asked me to... like. Rehearse a question, and I thought that I was going to be like in the audience and I was just going to get up and, like, I have a question for you, Mr. Prime Minister. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I wasn't. I showed up there and I was like, oh, it's a panel.
0: Okay, so you were on the panel then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With Ian from Ian Ziering? Red. Okay, Ian from Tripulp Red, not Ian Ziering from um, <laughs> Letter 2 and L. But I'm sure he's woke.
1: Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he does a lot of drugs.
0: Do you think, oh, I'm sure he's from Hollywood. That's true. There's a lot of
1: drugs there. I always thought, actually, the best way out, this is where I thought many years ago to like fun things, was that I was going to teach celebrities how to party, so that they're not all having to go to rehab. Or die. Or die, or flash their underwear, or no underwear, or like get a DUI. You know, I just thought, I would come and I'll show you what to do so you don't end up spending $30,000 a month at the Betty Ford, which will like do nothing for you.
0: Well, don't you think that it's ingrained in American culture to spend money on oh, your yeah. problems? So, totally. so like but even if you really show rich, them what you not get, to like, do, s-
1: you don't even have to pay for drugs. So like drugs yeah. and alcohol, it's always flowing. You don't really have to pay for Remember it.
0: Remember that Marilyn Manson song? I I thought I only liked one Marilyn Manson song, which yeah. was um, <laughs> the Dope Show.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: But it turns out I like two Marilyn Manson songs. Uh-huh. The other one being. I don't like the drugs, but the drugs like me. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to admit that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's really This rough. is a good
0: Marilyn Manson's. <laughs> but you could probably help Marilyn Manson. Maybe you could have helped yeah, Rose. Yeah, see, they
1: could have paid me. Actually, I was going to start with Lindsay Lohan.
0: Okay, good start.
1: You know? She seems like
0: she might be but like a bad person now on, now on top like, of it. she's like
1: horrible, and I'm just like, okay. Yeah. It was mostly because I loved Mean Girls.
0: Yeah, that was an interesting moment mm-hmm. when Lindsay Lohan seemed, such a combination of, of smart and pretty and cool and humble. Yeah. And then she was just basically an avatar of, of Tina Fey,
1: an <laughs> avatar.
0: And now Tina Fey, she's, everyone's mad at Tina Fey.
1: Yeah.
0: Everyone's mad at every figure. Everybody. Where do you put celebrities on the list of you care if they're bad, opinion-wise?
1: Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I care too much. I don't, I don't know if I care. I don't because there's just like a lot of it's really vapid and mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, yeah, you see a lot of celebrities who are like, I'm taking up this cause and so now I'm the leader of the Me Too movement or... Oh, yeah, that's a of, whole thing. ...of like the Women's March. But you're like, yeah, but you're just like a very rich person. Like, sure, it's but not w- what the about same. Amber
0: Rose and the slut walk?
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: It feels like America... It just feels kind like
1: another, another like... like Oh, it's just like an—I don't know—it's like another performance. It's very—it all feels very performative. Yeah, this
0: is a very performative time in terms of people saying they have problems uh, with the way things are being run, and then I don't know if things are actually ever accomplished with, with with it, which is the only reason. I have like a level of admiration for you. Is not that you yell at the prime minister? I mean, I think that's. I mean, cool. I yell at so many politicians. You've yelled at so many people. Yeah, yeah. How know. do you even? How do you even <laughs> yell at, Like, what brings you to yell? Do you just do you just mass up all of the rage that you've got from yeah. day to day? Seeing actually, all of I think this?
1: that when I'm angry, it's like the like best expression. Like I'm able to express myself really well. Like, I, I agree like with some you. But people I generally like, think they're able to explain People are like, How you know? are you able to do that? Like, how did that come out of you? And I'll be like, I don't even know. Like, I don't even remember. It just spilled out. Like, that thing with the prime minister, I had to rehearse a question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I was so mad sitting there through that whole thing that I asked the question. And then I realized I can ask a rebuttal. Yeah. And I did it. And it wasn't even an ask. I was just like, Let me tell you. Yeah. And That part was the part that went viral. I don't think people didn't really share the beginning part. They shared that part, and um,
0: what did you ask at the beginning?
1: I just asked him if the government was interested interested in legalizing all drugs.
0: And he, what did he say?
1: He said no. And then I then I went in about decriminalizing, but I also knew like it was a moment not just to ask him, but to also educate people. Like I was like thinking in my mind as I sat there, I need to like talk. I have this moment to like like educate folks like this people are going to watch this young people in particular yeah so i'm going to talk about the overdose crisis crisis i'm going to talk about decriminalization because yeah. i'm not sure how i really feel about legalization and i'm going to bring up a model so that people will look it up and like we can have this conversation
0: well that's a bunch of interesting and uh, also the stuff. grief
1: that like workers were facing frontline we still workers face. i
0: mean that's yeah. that's kind of what i was getting to when i was talking about mru it's like more than, um, advocacy, I think that when you're sort of, or advocacy as well, if you're, especially, if you're sort of, uh, authentically speaking yeah. for people, which generally means either being one of those people or mm-hmm. having very direct contact and truly like being okay every step of the way, this is what I'm going to, I'm saying this is how I feel. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and But that's so taxing emotionally. But I but mm-hmm. and, but and that's what it comes down to in terms of making a difference, it seems to me, is like, if you're not doing that, maybe at best you're sort of giving money to help fund that being done. Oh,
1: yeah. I will take anyone's money.
0: Yeah. I gave the last of my money to Daily Bread Food Bank. <laughs> is that a decent one? That's a that's good pretty one, good. right? I yeah. think they
1: give,
0: yeah. yeah. Daily I, Bread. That's good. People, I mean, I think people one should loaf. give
1: a lot of their money to like, causes and activism, like, social justice movements. It's tax-free. Well, yeah, you get deductible. a tax receipt, but I was just going to say, I think you should give it to the ones who can't get a tax receipt. Because like the, they're, like, the most grassroots. Like, Black Lives Matter. Like, sure. they're always looking money for, for their freedom school.
0: Right, right. And now I think what's that's so cool. School?
1: It's, like, educating children about black history, black politics, black liberation, i mean i think like that is Is this in canada specifically no, it's in canada in toronto yeah. and i think like that's the kind of things people should invest in you know i um yes this um these people that well, my ex-boyfriend and his family mm-hmm. um they started uh an indigenous school mm-hmm. in the 70s yeah and i think like that's so cool that you did that that's so important at the same time the government's trying to strip you of your culture like has tried to take away your language and your history and your culture you were like yeah we're starting a school that school's funded in this city it's really cool. that's funded here yeah and education is like so valuable
0: well that's the thing is that it seems like the only way to really change stuff is if you have a bunch of kids and then you're like see this is normal <laughs> about things and yeah like, yeah oh, it is normal yeah. you know
1: I mean, the city is so cool that over 50% of the people are born outside the country. Yeah,
0: that element of, of it is amazing. But
1: then there's this other element that's, like, very conservative. Yeah, you know, and that's actually, ironically, that's the, part the immigrant that I'm like, element. Oh my God. <laughs> but, immigrant, but also then there's, like, all these, like, white people who fled the cities, who moved right. to the suburbs, and were raising their families in the suburbs, and now suddenly... There's, like, this influx. Well, it's not suddenly, but there's been this influx of people coming back to the cities, taking over the cities where they didn't want to live before and are now here. And you're, like, man. And then they want to impose, like, sort of values of, like, they don't want noise. They don't like graffiti. They don't like homeless people. They don't like this they don't like they don't like deviance. it's like why do you live in a city right they my don't mom, like sewers they don't like anything i'm like my mom lives in isolation in the yukon that is a thing like if you don't want to live around other people and you don't care about your neighbors go to the yukon just go live out just go you can go to small towns here and it's a big there. country you could but like you know but even go to where do you that already, like as a white person are going to be settled I love the city. That's why I moved to the city from a small town. I want that city life.
0: Right, you want those rats.
1: I want the rat. I love the raccoons. Like I went. Well, I to love a, the
0: raccoons. I went too. to
1: a meeting at in Kensington Market yeah. when I lived there. I like, love the
0: skunks. Not to interrupt, but I, I also really the, yeah.
1: like. I love all of the street animals. I saw um, a possum one day, and oh, I couldn't believe we terrifying. had them in the city. I love. Those are terrifying. Oh, they're so cute. Um, but yeah, like when I lived in Kensington Market, I went to a, a like a neighborhood meeting. It was the first one I ever went to, and I was like, "Are people really complaining about graffiti?" That yeah, I well, when was this? It. Like five years ago.
0: That's amazing that that was the first community meeting you attended. It was five years. That's ago. That's true. I
1: lived in the market for ten years. Yeah, yeah. What were the
0: first five years spent doing? Destroying there was, parties?
1: There was no, there was no community meetings. But then oh. people might have community meetings about people like me. You know, I had so many parties at that place.
0: Yeah, they were fun. Oh
1: my god, they were so fun.
0: I, I guess all I was saying is like unless you're doing something actively yeah. to help something, you just gotta watch how much complaining you do about it, basically. Be and you yeah. know, and, and maybe signal boost, as they say. The people <laughs> uh who are saying things that are mm. they're very aware of, you know?
1: Well that actually this brings up a point about like what happened after the Prime Minister thing. People mm-hmm. wrote me and they said Oh, you're really brave. Oh, I couldn't do something like that. Or, like, there's lots of times people say that to me, and I'm like, actually, like, you you could. Like, yeah. I think that you could. I think that you shouldn't underestimate the power that you have or what you can do, but people do. They think that other people can do a thing. And actually, if you really feel deeply about anything, you, you can do it.
0: But maybe in their heart of hearts, they're a little torn on certain issues. Because maybe. I think that there or, are there are yeah. contradictions in... In a lot of issues, like you yourself said, well, you didn't know how you felt about complete legalization of all drugs.
1: Yeah, because I, it's like legalization under capitalism, like looking at like what's happened with cannabis. For sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, if you think about it in Canada right now, in Ontario specifically, right, cannabis mm-hmm. just got legalized oh happily by the... Um, the current government, which yeah. isn't surprising because allegedly the guy's a former hash dealer.
1: But it's because all their buddies are making bank.
0: Well, that's, that's the thing. It. Now it's they've like set it there's up. There's
1: so much money to be made on weed.
0: And then they're going to yeah. lower the prices of booze. So, what that's doing <laughs> is that's creating this sort of legal addiction, yeah. you know, and, and enabling it because unfortunately, no one's going to like hearing this, but as an addictive habit, weed is a thing i'm not saying it's actually addictive but the way you get addicted to doing anything
1: it's habitual it's habitual i smoke weed nice but my thing with weed is that people pretend and cannabis activists pretended this one that it's all medicine like no yeah everyone is not using it for medicine we are using it to get high yeah and the other thing is that it doesn't fuck you up and it's like wait it does I know so many people who use stimulants who are like, I could never, I can never smoke weed. It messes yeah. me up. Like an edible? Oh my god. I am so scared kind of, of edibles. Yeah. And yet I have this done. They should be
0: called inedibles.
1: I've done a lot of because drugs. Because you
0: shouldn't have them. And
1: I have not been afraid of them as much as I have been afraid of an edible.
0: Edibles are a very special kind of problem, but also they were. I do hate to say this; they were more of a problem before they were regulated. I do have to say. No, I think
1: now people have figured stuff out. You can get different kinds. Yeah, Yeah. I
0: mean the the ones that have been the harshest have been the ones from. The beloved people who were making them for years and years before. Him. But those are the ones <laughs> where ones you're are, like. Those ones went dark. You have nightmares. <laughs> you yeah. throw up out and of
1: taxi. Yeah. a taxi. Yeah. And you're just you like,
0: in. you wake up the next day just feeling like, you know, so depressed and ever. And no offense to drugs again. No. And I, <laughs> Like, I don't know what the next day after heroin is like. It's all right. <laughs> but I mean, that's. it seems like it would be a different thing. Uh, Well, this is the
1: thing. We have this like construct about drugs, whether they're they're, like these ones are harder and these ones are worse and this will do this to you and this will do this to you. And it's like, I don't know, like some of it, we're just so scared. And then the other part of it is like, you know, weed does this thing to you. It doesn't make it any better, any worse than like, I'm sorry, cocaine.
0: Sure, yeah. But you know, like people they're, they're, can
1: still be habitual on these things and people can, like, you know, people could spend all day just smoking pot playing video games. So you know, know,
0: but just getting back to legalizing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, as much as I want to hear a, a full list of the things you can what spend What drugs doing I've done. I'm just you're on kidding. Drugs, uh, no, I want you to be able to travel countries freely. So, so. We, won't, we won't talk about it. Um, but, sorry, the legalization thing is like, yeah, that would essentially lead to regulation. That's right. You know, of we all kind of, of these things. kind of have some
1: regulation already. Like, you, we have yeah. prescription heroin programs. Yeah. We have many around the world. Some of them started in the 60s. And opiates
0: as well, which we are have not, prescription like, like, you opiates, know, yeah, those like, aren't even. No, not morphine her- is know.
1: just, like, heroin is just a Derivative, like it's all a derivative of the opium uh-huh. coffee So yeah. it's not. They're not. It's just like who decided one's legal, one's not legal. And
0: legal amphetamines, um, although that, yeah, the legal gritalin, amphetamines,
1: Adderall, all,
0: all of the methyl. We but, you put know, all those
1: kids on those. Like we talk about a gateway. I mean,
0: like look, I like I got I got this is something I talk about in the podcast all the time. <laughs> okay. Uh, adult ADHD. I mean, I was diagnosed as an adult it with ADHD. Not actually, surprised me. No, of course not. And I, I hate hearing that normally from you. I will accept it. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's possible you have I mean, let's, it. Let's not, let's be real. But um, those uh, amphetamine type, type pills help you? If you can find the right one, they help you. I mean, yeah. I think you have to find the right one for you. And then, but it has a slightly different impact on that brain, apparently, mm. than. Uh, than on people normally, yeah. um, and 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 the, you know cocaine yeah. is actually the same because it's actually it cocaine down. is not far at all no. obviously from those drugs. Yeah. So if you had ADHD like chemically, yeah, and uh, you would take cocaine and you would feel normal, you know, yeah. and that's yeah. that's getting into this whole other side of drug taking, which and and, and risk taking, which yeah. is that for some for some people for whatever reason that stuff is what makes you feel. Normal for better yeah, or yeah, worse, no.
1: and it makes sense. And sometimes that people are like, <clears throat> you know, doing speed all the time, and then, then they get a, like a prescription for Ritalin or Adderall, and they feel normal, and they're like, oh, it's like, oh, maybe that's what you needed this whole time, and yeah. you were seeking out this thing that you knew physically you needed, and the, the, and then we judge you for it at the same time. But once it's prescribed to you, we'd have no judgment. Well,
0: I would, I would disagree. <laughs> I mean, I would say that a lot of prescription drugs, especially for things like ADHD, yeah. are a little more prone to judgment then because true. of the kids aspect. The
1: kids thing, yeah. I mean, everyone
0: loves to run to, oh, the kids. It's like, what do you want? What you really want is for your kid to be normal. That's really yeah, what yeah. you're thinking. You know, and if you're being told your kid, it's like, it's like antidepressants, you know, they get such a, a rap, but it's... They it's, can be so helpful for As people. long as the... Dosage is correct, and there's communication with yeah. with your doctor. You know, whatever it, it's actually a safer thing than going on the street. I hate to say it, but it's like no, no, but, I have no judgment. But about that's this as job. long as yeah. those are a lot of buts. It yeah. with, with the medical system, you know, but yeah. the buts in the medical system. Got yeah. to, but but yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I said but a couple of times,
1: and I said yeah a couple of times. And and yeah, like, well, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. edit
0: this thing. You say you spent all this time in Vancouver, which has a very famous heroin problem, um, Mm. and drug problem, actually. People like to say it has a heroin problem. It has a drug problem, you know? I think
1: Vancouver is really depressing.
0: Well, you grew up there.
1: I lived there only until I was six. Uh Uh-huh. And then I went back there when I was a teenager. And I used to, like, go there a lot as a teenager. Sure. And when I went there as a teenager, I really did get sucked into things that felt pretty dark, I Uh would say. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't like the easiest place I've ever lived, so I have a very negative view of Vancouver. Um,
0: I haven't been there very much.
1: I mean, Vancouver is also on the ocean. It's quite beautiful, but it's like anywhere when you're struggling in poverty, there's just like pockets that can be just really hard or like really hard parts of your life. Yeah, yeah. So I would say like my experience in Vancouver as a teenager, early adult. Were
0: you a runaway teen?
1: I was like, uh, yeah, take off from home and go live there and like find no place to live. So like the first place I lived was like an apartment with like 14 people and I Mm. like slept on the floor next. And there was like maybe like two women that were also there. Mm. And uh, yeah, no, I just didn't have a great time. And I also was like very disconnected from my family and felt very on my own. Yeah, it was a horrible time of my life.
0: Was this pre-internet?
1: This was pre-internet. Or like just at the dawn <laughs> Yeah, it was of the, the 90s. Internet. It was like the mid-90s. mid. Yeah. So
0: maybe one of those 14 people knew about the BBSs and <laughs> news groups.
1: I don't know. I never. No, actually I think I didn't really. I, I remember I tried the internet for my very first time when I lived in LA as a nanny. When was that? In 1996.
0: That's cool. You went from Vancouver to LA.
1: Yeah, maybe it was 95. You were
0: an uh, illegal immigrant.
1: Yeah, I, li- I worked there illegally.
0: You were an illegal.
1: I was an illegal.
0: Auslander. I
1: was. I was a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really weird job.
0: And at this point, were you getting into like punk music and stuff?
1: Yeah, I got into punk when I was like eleven.
0: And my sister very was into early. punk. Okay.
1: And I had a really cool uncle that like liked music a lot, mm-hmm. and so my uncle and my older sister like showed me a lot. And then there were, like, a lot of... I lived in Edmonton at this time. There were a lot of all-ages shows. I also, like, worked and grew up in the theater. Uh And so right next to my mom's... The theater my mom was the artistic director of was a record store. And so I started going there when I was really little. I really liked music a lot. So Mm -hmm. I was, like... I mean, actually, my first punk records were Blondie and the Ramones. Like, about Blondie parallel lines when I was in grade one.
0: Oh, funny. My parents owned those. So I did see them very early on as well. They owned... Uh, parallel lines eat to the beat yeah. and uh go- ramon's rocket uh, to russia yeah we, and we bought Reckless Eric as well. oh that's cool like we yeah. bought
1: records my parents had a record collection my mom was young right she was like in her 20s that's cool yeah so yeah just i was got really into that's new Oh cool. your
0: mom was so young
1: my mom was young <laughs> but like my mom worked in the theater my mom yeah. had this like interesting kind of artistic life and uh-huh. so from that you get subjected to, not subjected, but you get introduced to a lot that like uh-huh. maybe other kids don't. So like, you know, when I was nine, I went to a pink flamingos party. I knew who Divine was. Right. I
0: sort of did as well and I don't remember why. I think it was because yeah. Hairspray was on TV sometimes. Oh,
1: yeah. But I, yeah. I, I like, there was like single like, you think you're a man but you're only oh, that a boy. Oh, song's the best. I, I bought that record yeah. at a record store on White Avenue when I was like 10 years mm-hmm. old. which D, is so for me, weird. Divine. Oh, yeah. I have like, Many Divine single,
0: Singles. So you were into that world, but that's obvious, that side of the punk world is, um, I mean, where did it go from Blondie, did it go <laughs> into like, I feel like one of my entry-level punk bands was, was Dead, Dead Kennedys.
1: Oh, I love the Dead Kennedys. When I moved to Whitehorse, I used to listen to Night of the Living Rednecks like over and <laughs> over and over again because I was like, where is it that i've moved to because people really did like drive trucks with casey lights and tractor tires and right. and like would pick on me for wearing doc martens which right. i did not understand because i was like yo these are like really cool like these are uh-huh. straight from england my uncle got me these yeah but it wasn't cool and the kids didn't know but like i just remember my first day in junior high school this boy said to me do you like punk and i was like yeah and he's like, have you ever heard of Red Hot Chili Peppers? And I was like, uh, yeah, no. And then I was like, have you ever heard of SNFU? And he's like, no. And then we traded tapes. Oh. And his name was Ryan Towers. So you like told him brand. about SNFU yeah. and he
0: told you about RHCP?
1: Yeah.
0: Wow, that's an acronym trade-off. And... And then did another kid come in and say, hey, have you heard of T-S-O-L? And then, yeah, I totally. It
1: just went from there. I was like, yo, you guys are cool.
0: <laughs> What's another vid like that? That's four. You need four. So it can't go MDC.
1: Uh, it's funny because in my mind, pill. P-I-L. That's
0: three. I'm yeah. saying four. P-I-L, MDC. Oh, it's easy to find S-S-T control, S-S-T-C. Yeah, I know.
1: It's hard to find four letters. But if you...
0: Look, so... Okay, did you like the Red Hot Chili Peppers tape no, that you got? No, I did got? like Red Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Which Red Hot Chili Peppers it was it? It was like Mother's it? Milk. Okay. Because it
1: was like the early like start of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, actually...
0: Hillel Slovak. The bassist who died.
1: Yeah. I forgot. Frisch- <Santi>. about that. Yeah.
0: John Fruschanti. And you know you got it. So you have, you your, this is the West Coast in you that sort of goes, I get it. I get RHCP.
1: Yeah, I get why you guys like this. Also, because Coast- i was into skateboarding and like skaters yeah. love like that stuff, I guess. And sort of. Bum, I mean, yeah, yeah, because then we were all into like Cypress Hill.
0: I liked Cypress Hill a lot.
1: Oh, so much.
0: I liked all the DJ Mugs related things. Even I sort of liked House of Pain for a couple oh, of years. Oh, yeah.
1: Days. No, totally.
0: Uh, and uh, funk Doobiest, all that stuff. I
1: was obsessed with Public Enemy.
0: Uh huh. I like Public and, Enemy. And like no also. one at
1: school listened to that yet because it hadn't made its way there.
0: See, I grew up in Toronto, and there was like a very in in the school I was at. It was a lot of different kids, so they were. They liked all the reggae. Reggae you had was popular. A lot of diversity at your school. A very diverse. School. We did not
1: have. I did not live when Whitehorse was not very diverse. You no. we were either like indigenous or white. There was like uh-huh. a couple Vietnamese families, uh-huh. and then in my high school, this Jamaican family moved to Whitehorse. Must have been and exciting. I, I, you know, they moved there because their like uncle, I guess, worked at the college, and then but that like that must have been really weird for them because there weren't too many black people in Whitehorse. Right. But I became really good friends with them actually. We were friends for a really long time but then we drifted.
0: What's the racism level in a place like Whitehorse?
1: Oh my god, there's like the racism is really intense in the north, especially towards indigenous people. Right. It's really bad. So, I think that there's tension because like white people in those communities do not they were like at that time in the 90s and the late 80s when I was living there. You know, people still said things like, oh, that happened in the past. Meanwhile, at that time, we still had residential schools, like, operating. (laughs) So, like, people didn't know. People knew nothing about the history of indigenous people in the Uh country. And so they would be like, oh, quit your whining. Like, you don't know. You, like, you have everything. You don't pay taxes. Like, that kind of horrible stereotyping because they don't actually didn't understand. Oh, you don't, you didn't know about residential school, the 60s uh scoop. Like, there was so much. And so that's the Tell kind of stuff you grew up with. What's the 60s scoop? The 60s scoop is when, like, a lot of indigenous people were taken from their homes and put into white people's homes. I see. Yeah.
0: And then they made the white people go to other homes, like in <laughs> South Africa.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> that was a bad joke, Nick. <laughs> Why? It's a nice time. Yeah. Was... I mean,
0: that's the dream.
1: The dream. I don't know yeah. if that's a dream. No.
0: Nobody. What do you think of re- revenge?
1: What do we think of revenge? <laughs> Um, yeah, I I have done some things that would be considered revengeful that I thought were pretty cool. Okay. And, um, I would say right now I have a nemesis. I do feel like I've done a few things that have been vengeful.
0: Who is, is your nemesis like a politician? No. Oh, is it just someone in your industry, like someone who should be a colleague?
1: Kind of. (laughs) Yeah, that's generally who
0: people's nemesis.
1: Yeah, he has a lot of power, and I'm pretty angry at him.
0: Is it me?
1: No. Okay. But like, I I wouldn't want to. I would. I wouldn't want to be the person that pisses me off because it's like I'm very blunt.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna if I can get it together, I'm gonna try to get a supercut of you yelling at people <laughs> like from YouTube and
1: stuff. A YouTube video that'd that be up. so funny. Yeah. Like, I wish there was other times, like when I yelled at the mayor. That's not filmed. There's like many. Which mayor,
0: John Tory? Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, that yeah. was that's. I, I'm backtracking here, but a very important thing that did happen with the uh, Overdose uh, Prevention Society was the creation. Of a essentially makeshift uh, overdose prevention site uh, at a place called Moss Park, which is I would say a high density, probably a higher propensity of of drug use than... Yeah, open drug use. Open drug use. I mean, just up the street from Moss Park is uh, a corner that was said to be actually the most... um, per square inch or something dangerous mm-hmm. in, in, like, North America. I don't know. That's like, really funny
1: because, like, yeah, when they say I would have this, I'm like, I that. don't think it's very dangerous. I've been and there I'm a like, million times. Yeah, yeah, and I've worked it. in the same neighborhood for, like, 15 years, and I don't feel nervous. But what's sad about that, and <laughs> just, you
0: probably know this, is when you're talking about the danger, it probably just means within – those worlds. Yeah, you know? maybe. Me, but
1: I also think that some of that's like anti black racism and it's just because people are poor and people are afraid of poor people or whatever it is. It's just like some ignorance. But it's yeah, I mean I think some of it's like exaggerated. It's I feel like, like so Toronto's much pretty safe.
0: Less so much less unsafe than, than so many places. So I mean I felt so cities. scared in Los Angeles oh, you know, yeah. every second like even living in a nice area or a relatively nice area, or a quiet area like Eagle Rock. It's like there would be police standoffs like well, also people right carry guns there
1: where I'm like everyone yeah. has a gun. They have a gun in their house cuz they're afraid of someone else having a gun or like you when you get mugged, you don't just get like your wallet stolen, you get held up with a gun. I'm scared of that.
0: You don't want to be, <laughs> I don't held, up be held up by gun? a gun. Point. No.
1: Just take my money. <laughs>
0: would you ever eat a gun?
1: Like, if someone put it in my mouth, I would be so scared. <laughs>
0: that would be. But you must admit, that would be a power move.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, you wanted me. Yeah, it's like,
0: I tried to rob this lady and she ate the gun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she put her mouth on the gun. She was, like, calling my bluff in the most, like, hard ass way.
0: Anyway, just getting back to the uh, creation of a makeshift overdose. <laughs> yeah, so that,
1: again, like, not Which being. Is, but not being. Am- Unsanctioned. I mean, sanctioned. that
0: was what was amazing to me was, you know, you, go, you guys said oh how many of you uh were part of this
1: well initially there wasn't that many of us like it was everybody though everybody was drawn to doing it because i you understand can only take so much of like being especially people who are like providers of like healthcare, care yeah. reduction. that you were watching this like crisis unfold and all these people dying right so mm-hmm. you know we had 865 people die in ontario In 2016. In
0: 2016.
1: We had 1,265 people die in 2017. Yeah. And then, like, you know the years prior, it just kept going up and, and going. Up and up. Yeah, we're 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 past. We're gonna be past the one thousand two hundred sixty-five people. What a people. crisis! Yeah, and then like maybe to Americans, it might not seem like huge numbers, but, but we are a small 30 population. Million, you know? Yeah, it's it's big. Yeah. And in Canada, that's like we basically lost like ten thousand people in three years. Yeah,
0: that which is madness. Yeah, know? and
1: like when we add this year, it'll be like. 15,000 people. But
0: I think that's the most interesting thing to me about the harm reduction movement, you could say, or the, yeah. the rise of it, is actually, it's the one thing that actually could transcend the sort of left-right yeah. Uh, thing. Because you I got like both
1: is, like the conservatives and the lefts. You have got both of them being like, "Oh, actually, this is pragmatic to do it this way." Well, and
0: maybe they've been affected. Unfortunately, maybe they've been affected. That's that's one of the most effective tools of, of people becoming involved would be being affected by it directly. I, I it's a sad thing, but that's with mm-hmm. people. One of the truisms, you know. Well,
1: yeah, I think that people have to see something, see something, and feel. Eyes. Yeah, maybe I. It's been really. Uh I don't know. It's it's I often I'm like when this is done I will be a forever changed person because of like what I've witnessed, what I've lost. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. You got to
0: go to therapy. I hope you're in th- I hope you're taking care of yourself.
1: <laughs> I did go to a therapist, yeah.
0: But I mean I think the biggest
1: therapy I had was Massage. like going into the park. Moss Park going into the park and setting up a site with all of these people was like the most healing
0: I mean I know it's healing but you also wound up I totally have chronicled all of your stuff you've seen so much death anyway since then yeah and I just feel all of all of that stress is is uh, yeah you, you know you've got you, to it, it is your tendency to put uh, other people scenes first. on your shoulders <laughs> and communities uh. on your shoulders and not in a way that feels I don't I've never thought it felt uh um. what's the word, like, about you, you know? No,
1: I don't make, en- maybe you don't make enough about me. Sometimes, like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to school, but then I'm, like, doing this thing at school that I hope will benefit other people.
0: What are you going to school for?
1: Um, ham um, radio? Yeah, ham radio. I was thinking, like, bring it back. i mean, yeah, but- like, guys, we have to, like, you know, technology's racing ahead, and, like, we don't, <laughs> it's, like, fucking us, so, like, here, we're bringing back a ham radio. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, well, we were talking
0: about opening the sites and you, oh, you, were, yeah. you were saying how it was healing and therapeutic oh, yeah. and that it, it was a step, you know?
1: Well, and also it's like one of those things, like this is where I'm like anyone, everybody who's like feeling like, ah, oh, this world's a mess. And like, yeah, you know what? As people in it, we, we should be doing things. Like if you think like, I don't know, I work in this concept in my mind that's like working within, against and beyond. There's so many things in the system that we live in that are pretty good. And, like, if you could make... There's just, like... But there is so much that's super oppressive. And, like, here's an example of, you know, government watching all these people die, Mm -hmm. not caring that they die, not acting on it because they know that the things that they would have to do aren't things that they want to do. Right. Right? So, like, decriminalizing drugs, for instance, or Mm -hmm. legalizing drugs. It's like, the government doesn't really want to do it because... Drugs and keeping them illegal keeps cops and judges and lawyers and prisons. It's a huge industry of people and people with status. Yeah. People with a lot of status in this country. Like, you know, there's lawyers that all they do is deal with drug arrests. Uh That's what they make their money off of. So, like, as if the elite are going to want drugs totally legal. Yeah they're going to find a way to make maybe make it regulated and still find ways to criminalize it sort of like cannabis
0: well yeah i mean the can- the cannabis legalization i think happened because There was an industry that formed around it, you know, uh, and and that's that's the thing is and that a quasi legal industry that 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 formed around it. And people realize, well, if we can tax these people and make sure we know what they're doing, that's going to make us profit.
1: Yeah. And like cannabis became illegal, not because of the harms to people. Nothing is ever about the harms of people because government doesn't care about the harms of people. Like, look at all the people that are dead right now. They don't care.
0: Um, and you so, want me to look at all the people that are dead right now? I see, I every mean, time I, I close mean, my eyes. Overdose. I, I mean, overdose, oh, yeah. okay, right? yes. well, I'm overdosed, right? Well, same like, thing every time I close my like, eyes. Where I'm like, oh, you
1: think that it's, you were like worried about the harms to you, so you make these laws. No, that is not how these laws came about. The laws no. all were rooted in racism. It's all of them. All of them. And it had more to do with industry and labor and controlling labor. So when
0: you say they're rooted, you're talking about drug laws. Drug Why laws. Why are they rooted in racism?
1: Well, the first drug laws, I would say, are in the Indian Act of 1876. Oh, that's very interesting. So that first drug law is about alcohol and the uh-huh. prohibition of alcohol sales to indigenous people. Right. Then the next law is in 1908, which is the Opium Act. Uh-huh. And that... That came about because of race riots in Vancouver after the building of like, uh, the, the railroad. The uh-huh. railroad, and then the head tax for Chinese people was also imposed. So you had the head tax. You had white workers trashing Chinese businesses and going after them, uh-huh. and they made all that like. And so to go after Chinese workers and to quell these race riots, they created the Opium Act of there's 1908. Been
0: so many. There's been so many racial. Uh, there's it, racism in Canada. It's so it's so amazing. This I whole mean,
1: country's built on it.
0: And then you have, even take it to the Christie Pitts riot in Toronto in 1933, where it was like the Jewish community versus the sort of very open uh, Nazi, Nazi supporters. And, and, uh, I mean, Quebec is really fascinating to me. You can go down that rabbit hole, but Quebec (laughs) Quebec. is extra weird because there are people who have been oppressed.
1: Oh, oh, oppressed, except they're they're French. Like, I'm sorry, the French language, (laughs) it's colonizers. Like, France was still a colonizer. It's just like France and England Mm -hmm. warred each other. But like this whole like French nationalism and Quebec nationalism, it's white supremacy. Right. That's what it is. It's like, oh, we want to protect French culture, French language. You want to protect colonial language colonial culture right it's gross it's that's
0: that's very and and they recently voted in a very uh, far right government oh right? yeah
1: and they're like do not wear religious symbols except yeah. for this cross that's in this courthouse yeah. right behind us it's totally fine I'll
0: tell you I've been going to some churches lately it's been nice I'm not gonna lie I went to Trinity uh, outside of the Eden center the that's tr- a lovely church but i'm always like why churches are so church.
1: ostentatious like <laughs> sometimes i'm yeah. like we should turn that into housing for all the poor people but half the
0: time they do i mean intro- you know like but they
1: get turned into condos really have you not for seen homeless? some of those <laughs> yeah for the homeless <laughs> <laughs> well
0: that's what they'll be that soon be so sick. i mean someday you know when the i mean i was in give uh- up your
1: land no one goes to church have you actually gone and seen who goes there you really just need oh the phone's going you guys still have a landline you have several landlines (laughs) going back to the church right Mm -hmm. like not that many people go to church Uh and then how much money does it cost to like heat a church and like it's so ostentatious it's so in your face about the amount of money and like what the church was built on in this country yeah you know what? You just need a house for your congregation or a small hall. I just do uh, not believe that you're fitting like thousands of people in here.
0: But you know the one at Trinity, the Trinity one. They, yeah. they I saw their listing. They, they, every every Tuesday of every month they have a homeless memorial. I mean, it yeah, seems like yeah, that's pretty nice. But if, you, you, know, yeah, you that know, know, that church is okay. Yeah, they seem like one of the. I mean, the they're decent, all trying and that's to not do even that big things, a church. But
1: they have like a very. Um, they all have a dark history in this country. And so I have a lot of hatred towards like well, the, the United Church, schools, the Anglican Church, yeah. the Catholic Church. And how...
0: Unitarian? The,
1: the, like, I don't, know the, I don't know their history, but like, sure. The Stone but, Church? You know, anything, any churches that were out there being super duper missionary and like destroyed you know destroying people's lives by thinking they were superior like i'm not into it
0: i mean it's it's an interesting thing and then you have these sects of christianity who uh, so like i was talking to someone who was a heroin addict and he said the most help he received when he was trying to get clean were from christian was from christian people well you mean you know? like the
1: salvation army
0: I know. You I, didn't say the Salvation Army. Because, I'm not like, trying to because, get you to like, launch into an no, anti Salvation Army. I'm
1: not going thing. to. But no, it's like, fine. I don't think they'll sue me. I mean, you know, like lots of people say, yeah, Christianity helped them, whatever, uh-huh. right? But like if you go to treatment, yeah, right? If you go to a treatment center and you're a poor person going to a treatment center, your options are limited to Christian based, right, non evidence based right. treatment facilities. Uh-huh. So if you're not a Christian, That's Mm -hmm. not fair. Like, we're in the system. If we say that, you know, drug dependency is a health issue and then we write a prescription for God, that makes no sense.
0: Well, also, I think that there is a slight, I mean, this is not really totally fair to Christian people, but there is a slight ulterior motive in that kindness, which is essentially to convert you with kindness. You know,
1: with kindness tell yeah. you that you know you have moral failings and that you're like a vessel You have hopefully they're crisis. not doing
0: that though
1: actually your first day let's say like the women's let's say the women's treatment center in Toronto where a poor woman would go is called okay. Homestead okay. your first week there you will go to chapel can we give this
0: lady a name
1: this was called Homestead no
0: I mean Judy
1: okay Judy's gonna go uh uh-huh. right and her first week there she's gonna go to chapel uh huh every day she's gonna go to group every yeah. day many groups all day long People are going to tell you you don't have life skills. I'm sorry, Judy, you're 52 years old. You have life skills, right? How did you get here, Judy? Have you lived to 52 years old? This is interesting. You have resilience. You have life skills. But also you were told a script Uh of like, what's wrong with you? Addiction is a disease. It's a moral failing. You are not, you know, there's just, it's very puritanical. You Uh have to quit all substances. That's not evidence-based either. So just because you have a problem with one substance doesn't mean that you're going to have a problem with all substances. But we have this idea by these by people who have created this whole system. And, and so, yeah, so Judy will go there. She'll be inundated with this. And she may not believe in this. Mm-hmm. And so if she starts to question it, then she looks like she's deviating from the script. And so that is... That is Judy's options in the system. Now,
0: when, she's, when Judy's deviating from the script, does that mean she's in danger of being kicked out of the program? Or she's it in mean- danger
1: of being kicked out of the program, but also people should have self-determination, be able to be critical. Mm-hmm. Like, I think being critical about beliefs and questioning is, like, a very humanistic thing to do. Yeah. And I think it's okay for you to think, well, maybe I'm going to take part of this. I believe part of this, but I don't believe in all of this. Like... You know, and then folks go to treatment center and then they're forced to go to an AA or an NA group and they're told like you gotta go to a home group which is like actually misusing that model What's a home group? Like find a home group that you're going to go to regularly as your aftercare.
0: Do you mean a home? Like literally a home? Like I just don't no, know. No, like what... you're
1: gonna be like I'm gonna go to I the see. church. AA group, regularly, regularly yeah, at this Bathurst specific and place. Lure, okay, because I like it there. You've Got
0: to be walked through this stuff sometimes.
1: Okay, um, fine, but that, like that's that's what's on offer.
0: Yeah, and and AA, you know, gets a lot of of different um, people are uncomfortable with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what. The positive sides of AA are, like, you get peer support. Uh-huh. You can go talk to people who are also dealing with similar things as yourself.
0: You essentially have someone on call, essentially, you essentially ideally. Have on, yeah,
1: yeah. Ad- ideally. You have people taking care of each other. Like, I think that's all positive.
0: Sharing is really Sharing. important. Group, literally group is really important. Group is so
1: nice, yeah. But then, you know, not everyone likes to be in a group. Yeah. And not everyone believes in what is being espoused... In terms of the higher power. All of it. Like, not just that. Like, people focus Weakness, on that. Weakness, like, you know... Yeah, moral failings. You're powerless to your drug. Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't... I think people... I believe in, like, self-transformation.
0: Do you mean, and like, like henna?
1: Yeah, henna. I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> I but I don't know. I have, like, other feeling Things about things where I'm like... Well, yeah. I mean, people... I think it's good if people can critically analyze... Certain aspects of their life to gain understanding of like why maybe you use every single day.
0: Yeah, and 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 that's for your own uh, peace of mind in a sense, your own growth, your own self, like being in control of your own life.
1: Yeah, or like as much as being, you can. Control- but also being like, yeah, maybe being raped so many times like impacted you so much that it's no wonder that you use drugs. And thank goodness that you use, because maybe that's what's keeping you alive and keeping you here. Well,
0: I'm reading this book right now that was recommended in one of the ADHD books I read, which is called Maybe You've Read It. It's by a woman named Judith. I can't remember her last name. And it's uh, Trauma and Recovery. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know it's quite a good read there was one aspect that that did frustrate me in a small package yeah. uh, a small uh, passage and, and it was where she said certain people who go through abuse you know uh have resilience and to to get through it and i'm just yeah. kind of like resilience like i, I think the other people have resilience too also. i think it really is a question of um maybe reflexes or something mm-hmm. re- reflexive choice you know yeah. but but I don't really like any negatives being thrown not to no, be mr Me sensitive neither. but a- any negatives being thrown at people who couldn't you know protect themselves in a combat situation oh, yeah. or of course in a sexual assault situation yeah and and to submit yourself I think she was trying to base it on ch- on childhood trauma and and well yeah. that may or may not be true yeah um I just think that that's secondary to the point, and that's not really admitting that someone who it seems super resilient may mm. actually be, be just as
1: yeah.
0: uh, have that potential to crumble in or yeah. make you know not just not succeed in a moment. Yeah, and I think I don't know. I think it's all bull. I think. I think it is. T- I, I just.
1: I, yeah, and even the thing about like. Well, you're sub, like the big thing now is like <clears throat> substance use and the ways, you know, when it's habitual and people have issues with relating to it, um, you know, it's hard. It's like, is your issue related to the drugs or is your issue actually that you're poor and that you're homeless and that, you know, maybe if these, if you had all those basic needs met, maybe that wouldn't, this wouldn't be an issue or maybe the issue is like actually criminalization.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And shame. And
1: like the fact that what you do is criminalized. So like, you have to participate in 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 situations that can lead to a lot of horrible things. And so one of the things that all these experts talk about is childhood abuse. Yeah. And it's like, wait, okay, yeah, there is trauma that happens to children and young people. That's mm-hmm. real. But you know what also happens to people is that they live all these lives as adults and traumatic events happen to them then too. Because it's the human experience. <laughs> and this is the thing is like we live in a society that... Pummels people. It puts people into peril. We live in isolation. We're sides of me,
0: getting We're punched by Rocky.
1: Freaking wheel, like Go, yeah, you know, it's like
0: rats people, in a cage. In despite a cage. of our rage, totally. You know?
1: But, you know, there's a reason we uh, we want to diagnose everything, which is a, like a very convenient way to not have to blame like the government or the system we live in mm-hmm. for the problems that people have to take on in the world.
0: I also think that the the sheer magnitude of certain countries' populations is completely overwhelming. And if we gave it too much thought, like we'd be so stressed out because essentially, you know, not to, to get it into this sort of policy thing, but... Uh, what I mean, I do want to get it there, and it's just the idea of a socialized um, hybrid where there's you know some level of participation in, in global capitalism because that's essentially unavoidable it, it, at you this know, point in time. At this yes. point, but within the country, a lot of socialized services and a lot of effort to keep people warm and safe, you know. And unfortunately, in the case of most of Europe. To also shove a lot of people into sort of housing together and other them, but uh, you know, yeah. uh, it, it's like trying to emulate that in a place like North America, like the U.S. Uh, or India or China, yeah. uh, seems like s- very daunting. You know, yeah. just because you're dealing with a hundred million people, billion people, you know. Oh my
1: God, Nick! I never thought about that. Really? I no.
0: I mean, I would think that... Because
1: no wonder, like, that's overwhelming to you. Because I hadn't thought about, like, the sheer size of places. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: the thing. So it's like Norway is, like, as like, big as Canada. That's yeah. why I think it's a shame that Canada isn't more socialized. Oh, yeah, Because it's being right a next to the U.S., we could be such an example and of it functioning. And it's shame
1: that so many people are so hateful that... Or, like, so many people don't believe that we should be taking care of each other. And sometimes when I see things that people say, I'm like, please... Don't drive your car on a road. Don't send your kid to school. Don't ever go to a hospital then. If you really think that you live in some sort of isolated utopia that isn't connected to everybody else or that you don't benefit from some social program, uh-huh. because you do, like, there's so many of them, and that they've just been undercuts and, you know, austerity and neoliberalism since the 80s has, like, taken full... Hold of people's mindsets and it's like this is not working
0: yeah i mean it seems like it's it's tapering off are
1: gonna benefit here
0: i mean what what i'm kind of thinking is that you know to whatever extent you know communism (laughs) has led to these pseudo communist dictatorships that wound Mm. up essentially proving that Straight pure communism probably isn't the best way to go. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't know if
1: that's really, if it was really communism. Well, you they, know? they like became pseudo dictatorships, like, like dictators, I said. Yeah. But if you
0: get one person and they're able to do that essentially, yeah, like, and it happens faster than in capitalism, like there's an issue. There's an you issue. Know? Yeah. And, and, and then capitalism was kind of like the, the, it's funny, America really was, had elements of being so amazing, you know, and then it, yeah. but they've, they're always, there's just so many, uh, Dark like super dark elements to it that have completely cut into it, oh, yeah. mostly relating to race as well. But but, you know, so capitalism is is if not flawed, it's got it is flawed, obviously. And it's got it's got this backstory that's weird because like the communist things all sort of came to an end because yeah. there were just so much death and so much so. But if you add up the overall sort of death toll within a capitalist society,
1: it's crazy. Because <laughs> it gets the last yeah. So it's almost and, like the hybridized like, like,
0: socialism, Are we really thing. that...
1: Like, we're not really that dumb to believe that if you work so hard, you're going to gain some, like, financial, like, success. Yeah, we
0: know? are that dumb.
1: And, we, and it's like, wait, I work really hard. Like, I am uh-huh. a hard worker. I make a social worker salary, which is, like, one of the lowest paid career salaries. Right, but when
0: you get to be a consultant... Yeah, when I when then, I get to the charge money. All that money to
1: I should do that. When the
0: US starts having sort of a, a privatized OPS movement, you know Oh that's
1: already on uh, its way. Y- I know, that's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> we have people coming to visit us. Yeah. There.
0: That's when you get those those I sweet consultations. Like,
1: Give me all your money. money. I mean, just buy me lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Stick <laughs> me exactly. for a coffee.
0: Like, yeah, that's what I get when people ask uh, how do you do a podcast? And I'm like, as I proved to you today, it's like I kind of know how to do it. <laughs> but but yeah i mean i just think it is it is an interesting point we're at where it's like you mentioned the word humanistic and it's it's like there needs to be some sort of situation where the sort the idea of just keeping people alive is is the number one rather than this kind of quiet agreement that attrition is the way to go oh
1: my god like <laughs> but that's like a real thing that governments do it's like yeah Policies of social murder or sometimes you know it's referred to as like a policy of slow death I mean this is not very slow, but you know and then uh, to me it's really grim because then I sit back and think, oh for them it's just one less shelter bed, one less social housing per- person on a social housing wait list yeah one less ODSp check like they don't care they don't see like folks who are dying having a lot of social capital and political capital so it doesn't matter to them even when we say like oh but it affects everyone it's like no because it's not really it's still affecting like working poor lots of people in the trades lots of men
0: to me the fentanyl crisis is a bit of a different story though i mean there are people it is affecting people who you might people wouldn't expected yeah, of necessarily and, and, then, and i
1: think like partly because
0: it's in more drugs well you know? like i mean
1: tom petty died of a fentanyl overdose yeah
0: and so did prince. uh it's prince and yeah. so so did
1: What's did michael jackson actor? die of that yeah, fentanyl and yeah. some other drug philip seymour hoffman no. yeah philip seymour hoffman and
0: and i mean even getting it out of celebrities and of course harris whittles is comedian yeah. uh and and um, people- but even
1: that hasn't like moved people. Like sometimes when I see po- like comments about stuff or I hear people talk, they'll be like, "Oh, it's natural selection." And I want to be like, "Do never, don't turn your radio on, don't mm-hmm. eat any food, don't consume any art, don't read a book," because so many people who create all of those things, like drive your food across a country for twelve hours, they're using drugs.
0: Yeah, like uh, McDonald's.
1: They're using no. drugs. Like everybody's using drugs. Like Tom Petty, <laughs> you know, Tom Petty made great music.
0: Yeah, but I mean Prince. I you know, ultimately I think that entertainers are, you know, to to the culture they're almost disposable. Yeah, I you know? mean, people so, totally—they eat
1: them up and dispose of yeah. them. And they don't give them any privacy. Yeah, they, and, and, they and some of them like they are they making less money than them. they think. Yeah, you know? yeah. and Or and, they've just spent their money poorly. or They
0: spend their money poorly, or and, and I think that um, on on the other hand, there is sometimes heartlessness can come from your own trauma and as a means of coping with that. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Some so, of the people that so are the so harshest a, can be people
1: with experience. A lack that, of yeah. empathy
0: could have to do with like. If you're brought like Trump is a great example because yeah. his or and Doug Ford is also a great example. These are both people who had brothers who died because of sub, essentially because of maybe not Rob Ford didn't die of a substance no. uh, issue, but I think that it certainly didn't hinder. Yeah, it yeah. didn't hin, hinder his, the substance abuse didn't didn't help the cancer probably any. Yeah, maybe who knows? you know. And 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 Trump's brother was an alcoholic who who died, and he. Mm. He, he hasn't drank all his life, you know? Right. So so I, I, I think that there is a, a level of what we view as heartlessness that has to do with being hurt, feeling hurt by this situation. And, mm. and that justification is why, you know, you seem heartless. And I'm not saying that's...
1: Well, that's an interesting way uh, to look at it, yeah.
0: I mean, because... To, to me, it's like we're at this insane point that we've almost always been at as a society, but it's like really becoming obvious where it's like fifty one forty nine, you know, yeah. F- uh, to whatever extent, you know, yeah. and and, and um, because in, in Ontario where you know Rob Doug Ford, this conservative victory happened. Can't, Toronto has more people, but its votes are worth less. You yeah, know? because so, and we, have, it's, we don't it's proportional have proportional representation. Which is like thing.
1: wild that like
0: I get it, but it's pretty frustrating. It's really unfair.
1: Know? It's like majority of people live here.
0: I mean, at the same time, you can't have the rest of a country or the rest of an area feeling like they might not be tended to. You know, that's yeah. not a good feeling. But but also
1: but, then we can't feel like we're not tended to, that's, which is the opposite You know, yeah, yeah. like
0: at some point there needs to be some kind of a compromise or people, not to get all fucking hippy-dippy about it, but everyone realizes, like, what we have in common. And it might be something like drug deaths, you know? It might I be something like, like housing, think, you know? Yeah. Because... Uh, I think if-
1: everybody now, like... You know, even people maybe who grew up more middle class are experiencing the housing crisis, especially if you're, like, young and you're trying to rent, you're moving into your first place. It's, like, so hard. Yeah. Where are you going to live? Yeah. Well, I live with my mom right now. Yeah, there's no housing. That's good you live with your mom. I'm like a a freegan. Is your sister here, too?
0: No, she was when I first moved in. Oh, right. And then uh, she moved out, so I was able to have a more comfortable life.
1: But, like, if I lived in (laughs) Toronto... Okay, I do live in Toronto. But, like, if my parent lived in Toronto... And lived pretty much on their own at a nice place. I would probably mm-hmm. move in with them. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, mom. Well, but, like, you know, if I got to live with my mom and it's so expensive to live here, but that's what families do, right? Like, it is a cultural thing. There's lots of families culturally that never. Move away from each other.
0: Well, yeah, they live
1: together. It's a very Western culture. I mean, it's capitalist. Thing. It's capitalist because
0: it's because it's about independence and, and financial prosperity. Exactly. You know, and yeah. and then it also becomes about having two kids and, and yeah, yeah. you mean, know that,
1: building your own. You know, but then people do that and they still have their parents live with. You know, they all live together and everyone's taking care of each other and raising each right. other.
0: Right, tenement. Tenement style living.
1: It's nice. I mean, I mean, probably annoying if you have to live with that and you don't like your parents, but
0: well, that's it. Is like But maybe
1: you just like love your family so much because you grow up with that value. Well, that was what
0: was funny was being in L.A. and still being in a very good situation in L.A. Considering again my income, but <laughs> but uh, I w- I came here and I was just like okay, so now I'm back and I live in this like the perfect neighborhood. You know, yes. in a city I know really well, mm-hmm. in this nice house with a cat. Like, this is so lucky, and yeah. and what do I? Maybe I shouldn't need to do anything more with my life, and this is just <laughs> the rest of it.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, there's this like again, like maybe you're just like living against the grain because there's like such a pressure to be like work live working it the other way. I actually
0: really do want to. I really do want to. Move? do other. No, I don't really actually want to move right now, but I do want to like su- succeed at something. Some or maybe I am. You are. I am alive. I am doing my thing.
1: That's good.
0: This is my thing.
1: <laughs> this
0: is my thing. Um, uh, so much to talk about. It's getting kind of late, Should right? Should I go
1: back to the sites?
0: How did you guys organize the <laughs> Moss Park site?
1: Yeah, so, you know, a lot of us are in the Toronto Harm Reduction Alliance, and we would meet regularly, like, every month, and, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I hate being in meetings, and we don't do anything, but then suddenly we are, like, presented with a thing that, like, we could do, uh
0: uh-huh.
1: So we went to a meeting with the mayor and actually all this stuff is escalating, right? Because this Mm -hmm. was happening last summer and there was like a rash of deaths that the police reported and you didn't hear a public health report, you know, it's like the police reporting it then. But like a year prior, two years prior, we were always holding events, like talking to the media, trying to get attention to the issue, watching everything escalate, losing our coworkers, losing friends, losing people that we're working with and supporting Uh And, um, and just feeling like this really slow process. And so supervised consumption sites were already uh, getting ready to come here.
0: They were starting. They
1: were starting. yeah, they were like supposed to be open, but there was so much hold up with the province, like with the provincial government, they were sort of dicking around with the funding and slowing things down. and the federal government was slow at giving people their exemptions, just bureaucracy. Uh-huh. and um, which
0: is pretty much the. A death sentence for anyone who's an addict.
1: Well, it's a death sentence for anyone who's in a poisoning crisis, right? Because this is like, this is what it is. It's really abnormal. Like, people use drugs and people will overdose. That happens. But this is like very abnormal. This is like, this is like a rising death toll from people using a drug that has taken over the drug market.
0: So why is it, why is, is street fentanyl still... Here? Killing people. I mean, whose intent is to kill the users? It doesn't I mean, this really is the seem thing like it. It never a, made
1: any sense. Like, yeah. when it first came on and, and people were dying from it or overdosing all the time, it's uh-huh. like, I just wanted to, like, beg drug dealers to get it together. Could you just, like, figure out how to. Okay, if you're going to go with fentanyl, uh-huh. that's the drug we're going to have. Can you just not mix it with, like, a whole bunch of analogs of fentanyl? Uh-huh. Could you just stick to one? Right. Could you make it, like, the legal fentanyl that, that has existed for a very long time. The
0: opiate fentanyl.
1: You know, fentanyl was created in the 1960s opiate. by Jensen Pharmaceuticals. Uh-huh. It's been around. It's used in the hospital. People were using it as pain relief. Michael they Jackson
0: used... helped him sleep with it or something. No, that was propofol,
1: I believe. Propofol, yeah. yeah. Sure. But um, uh-huh. what's being created is, is synthetic. And it really is, like, driven by, like... The drug war itself. And like, you you know, here's the thing.
0: When you say the drug war, you mean the war on drugs? The war on
1: drugs. So you've got like, you know, borders and security and police and this trillion dollar war uh-huh. that continues. You've got climate change happening, which is going to affect like poppy production. Uh-huh. And you've got people figuring out how to make synthetic drugs. Uh-huh. And synthetic drugs, you know, you can, it's cheaper you can you can actually get fentanyl over the border without it being detected so that you don't need as much as you would heroin there's just so many things so at first it was like being introduced into heroin and you know it would just be bulked in the heroin and and people were dying from that because they didn't know that it was in their heroin and it was stronger and then fentanyl slowly just started to take right over and you couldn't get any heroin and now all you can get on the street is fentanyl and at the same time the government started cracking down on prescribing practices mm-hmm. kicking all these people off their prescription medication which is a safe supply
0: so a methadone kind of prescription no, I mean, like, or if even you had a fentanyl a
1: for painkillers i see you know and then Whether suddenly it's you don't have it or, or percocets or oxycet i, I hate or, or the class
0: two thing or whatever with uh, prescriptions in canada where it's like oh you're on you, you know you get prescribed. Uh, you, you know, uh, morphine or no clonopin, and people oh, Klonopin, are like, people yeah. are like, mm, I have to, I you know, I have to get like your, I have to call your doctor or oh, something. Know. You, you know. Yeah,
1: it's really stigmatizing to people. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so here we are in this like escalated crisis, and um, it's a like a poisoning of people, and so. So we opened the site. We just, we went to a mayor's meeting and it sounded like the mayor didn't, they weren't going to do anything and we kept mm. asking people to call a public health emergency and we knew that in Vancouver they'd open overdose prevention sites. Uh-huh. They put up a tent right behind Insight, And so we thought like, why not put tents in a park? People had talked about it for over a year to do it and then we just did. The climate was right that like we... Thought we could convince the media and the general public and the police that we should be able to do it
0: well, it seems like the the support for some level of decriminalization at least of heroin you know and uh, is uh, or opiates is um it's there. higher yeah like it last, must be higher yeah, there
1: was some point this year where the city of Toronto undertook a survey of people in Toronto to ask them about decriminalization, and sixty one percent of people who responded said they were in favor. Which is like huge, and I think that came out of putting this in the media and talking about decriminalization.
0: So having an unsanctioned site just to go through that—that that meant that it was your own funds, not your own funds. Yeah, we fundraised yeah. from
1: like the community, and it's funny because I went to a conference like did that Kim's year. Convenience
0: donate any money?
1: No, but they're right around the corner. Yeah, they're right, right around, around the corner a letter from, from the them, site. Actually, yeah. to support us, That'd be funny. but we. Um, we, yeah, do go in there sometimes. Um, oh, yeah, our fundraising. So I went to a conference in May that year, and I ran into a woman who I truly admire named Deborah Peterson Small. Mm-hmm. She's from the U.S. And she said, why don't we get the community to fund our resistance? Uh huh. And I was like, yeah, right, like people aren't going to give us money for stuff. And she said, no, they do. Think about how much money people spend on a coffee or two coffees a day people could fund our resistance. And and then, you know, and then in the summertime when we set up the GoFundMe, when Lee Chapman asked me if we should do it, I was like, yeah, why not? Like, let's see what we can get. And at first it was like, oh my God, guys, we have $2,000. Uh-huh. I thought that was amazing. But yeah. really, we fundraised like, now we probably fundraised like $250,000. It's amazing. We ran that site for a year unsanctioned in the park. We reversed two hundred and fifty one overdoses. Yeah, we saved so many people's lives. We also like prevented so many more, and we connected with people who are incredibly vulnerable. And we like taught people how to prevent overdoses, talked to them about what they were using, found out what was actually on the streets and what people were using, when mm-hmm. we got drugs tested talk to people about what it was they were ingesting and why they were having such weird reactions to them Uh and we taught a workforce how to like work in an overdose prevention site and supervised injection site which we'd never had before
0: and now naloxone kits are cool
1: well now every- yeah i know everyone's got one they're like worried they're gonna die off their cocaine and it's like no nah, i saw one of those starbucks happen, the guys. other day and actually it's
0: probably better to actually, have it actually it's starbucks really than good you saw it at starbucks no i'm joking i
1: wish they had them there because people od like in I've the talked, bathrooms in the at bathrooms, coffee shops
0: like that and yeah. i
1: wish i i knew how to talk to those people who are working in those spaces you could
0: probably talk to starbucks because like they're under the gun because they got that whole thing where they were racist or whatever yeah. so you got to like just keep them woke But also, are we working it out or are we just like, is this the eternal struggle? No, I think
1: it's working out. Honestly, I think when you are like, you're being called out, people are yelling at each other, there is some serious processing going on Uh and people and like, maybe it's hard for people to hear and it maybe it feels like it's gone too far, but there is some processing that's happened and there is some shit that's really changed in our culture Uh because people have... One, been forced to not be dinosaurs. Right. And two, you know, have to be accepting and stop being so ignorant. But also, like, I do appreciate all the calling out of white supremacy. Sure. I really appreciate the, like, the dialogue and the, like, forcing people to change.
0: What is the way to win people over to these kinds of beliefs? I thought about this. Yeah.
1: Okay. The left. Let's say people who have more socialist maybe views. Yeah. Um. What have we built? What are we building here? You know, there is no movement of thought that's different. We don't. We're in a reactive position all the time. We're reacting to this. We're reacting to this person. We're reacting to this thing. Mm-hmm. But really, what what ideas have we put forward? It's like when people. Say, I was at some forum the other day, and people said, young people are alienated, that's why they don't vote. And I'm like, that's not true. They're not that they're alienated. It's that you don't speak to them. You also... They also feel like I think a lot of them are like this is a really oppressive system. Why should I bother engaging in something and why should I vote for people who are going to oppress me and not care about me anyway? So why should I participate in this thing? I mean, they've figured it. I think a lot of young people figured it out that it's like a giant scam. Uh And so I think, but the the problem is, is that we don't have another position put forward. So there's so to me, I like it's like opening the site in the park. It's like. You know, this is a demonstration that people can just take things on themselves and show how you can just do something. And, like, yeah, we opened that site. It made a few more sites have to be opened right away. Uh And now there are 20 sites in the whole of the province of Ontario when there were only plans to have three or four or five. Now there's 20. Because... For me, what I'm interested in, in the world I'm interested in, the politics I'm interested in, are the ones that people put forward, up, like not a, yeah, like a platform, just something. Yeah. So I can't stand the NDP most of the time.
0: Yeah, the New Democratic Party. For anyone listening in Anchorage, or Alaska, <laughs> uh, I can't. St- I, I think that there was this really. They've always been the also rans the third party in Canada, but never came anywhere close to winning feb- fe- federally. Uh, they're sort of viewed as this sort of half-assed conscience, but in, they've had a lot of periods of time where they had a great social yeah. conscience, and they put people's. They you know they. I think that if you hadn't had them, you wouldn't probably have had free
1: healthcare, healthcare <laughs> lasting as long as it did. Absolutely, and.
0: Now, once Obama won, essentially, and once Obama came in the picture, they sort of started doing this really half hearted move into the center. Yeah, they're uh, very much like, and left they're so lost, you know. They, and they're,
1: that this is where I'm like, oh, I wish there was like another party, or I just wish that they would be true to being socialist or on the left or whatever it is. I don't care what you I want mean, to call some the political of them are, ideology. But, and they're like, also
0: so smug about oh, about yeah. their, their you know, so-called humanist positions when in fact the assumption that, other, that everybody wants this or the majority of people want this. And so you shouldn't be smug. You should be like, how can we get here? How do you know? we get
1: here? How do we talk about it? How do we educate people? You know, like when thinking about like getting people interested in the overdose crisis... I think one of the things is we were like, we're not making this a left or right issue. Yeah. This isn't about that. This is about just saying, like, this is about people. People yeah. are dying. We live in a system that should be taking care of each other. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that as people. And, like, for me, that's a politic that I like. And I want and I wish that we would shift to that instead of being in a reactive position. I think hopefully we get there.
0: I agree, too. And I can tell you're trying to get out of this entire podcast with the big thing, but I still have one more one more question and then show and tell.
1: Oh, my God. Okay.
0: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the other question would be just about um, this thing that happened where initially uh, you, you were kind of waiting with bated breath when, once the new conservative government came yeah. in in Ontario to see whether the sites would, in fact, remain legal and funded and... I'm correct, right, yeah, so yeah, far yeah and and um the premier Doug Ford had on record said that under his over his dead body yeah. would 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 these be legal, but of course, it turned out he is just a populist through and through, and he said that to people so that they would vote for him, and then as soon as he had the chance. In order to placate people half paying attention to the OPS issue, he said, no, the sites will remain open, but there are many catches to this, right? Yeah,
1: we're rebranding it so it doesn't look like what it is. Stupid. Yeah, and they put it on, they put this, like, they did this whole review, and meanwhile, we're in this... Dress it up. Dress it up, we put it, we're in this crisis, and it's like, you know what, this is just one intervention. This is a band-aid in a very huge gaping wound, Where we need to deal with all the other issues around this crisis. We are in a housing crisis. Like I tried to get a bed in a a shelter for two men today. And every single shelter, every 24-hour drop-in with just like a mat on the floor is full. I sent those guys out in the cold. I gave them TTC. And I said like, I'm really sorry. It was 6 o'clock at night. That was it. It's really cold today.
0: And now it is really cold and people are dying. And it in a way is a death sentence. In, to leave people on the streets in more than a way. Well, it is a And death yeah, sentence. And
1: people say like, oh, well, you just need if to pull in up your not in the long term in the short straps, term. You're just lazy. You're like this. Actually, these are all like a lot of people. Who, they don't who have boots. <laughs> they don't have straps <laughs> on, their on their boots. But they, but they do. They have straps. They don't want to live like this. This of is not a situation they want to be in. But we live in a city that is so expensive. And it's becoming increasingly harder to find a place to live. If you don't have good credit, if you've, you know, there's just so many things. Well, and
0: neighborhoods that have been traditionally low income are adding uh, condos and and sometimes they might be making some effort to make it help keep, mixed income i guess but that would only be if you held their foot deeply feet deeply to the fire and i could think regent park seems like it's kind of like that
1: no regent park it's like sort of but not really they made all these promises and then they didn't actually put back all the social housing units they were supposed to and then like you know they were i work in regent right and they were like selling new condos after the redevelopment where it was just like white people on the signage in a like a predominantly na- like a neighborhood that's predominantly people of color. Yeah,
0: it's like a very heavily Muslim neighborhood. Yeah, Muslim.
1: It's black. It's brown. Yeah. It's like really diverse yeah. and
0: indigenous people as well. Yeah, there's
1: a lot of there's like indigenous organizations around yeah. there. Yeah, so. it's quite a
0: vibrant area. I, I love it, working it's out quite there. a cool area.
1: Just to give you a sense of like how busy it is where I work, like. We supervised 1865 injections last mm. month. We had t- over 2500 visits to the site. Wow. And we like do a lot of supporting people of like referrals and like have lots of things going on at the space. Like we have like an indigenous healing circle. We have like a woman's drop-in, we have a Hepsi treatment support group. Like there's just like so many things happening and you know, we are an essential service. But, yeah, we're also in a hamster wheel of hell, and we also have no idea if our application will go through. And the whole purpose of building an op- this site model was about making something nimble. could be temporary while you deal with the crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have to be permanent. But, you know, now we're probably going to be permanent. I hope that we get to stay.
0: Well, but what are the next steps on top of... Uh- of sight, you know, in terms of issues that you said, housing,
1: housing. would it also well, now be the health? government's going after like people on disability uh-huh. and redefining that could see lots of people kicked off disability supports who, it is not easy to get on disability. No matter what people say, they'll always say, well, I know someone, yeah. but honestly, I've helped people fill out disability for like 15 years of my career and it is not easy to get on disability supports. It's hard.
0: Is it a lot of money that you get?
1: You get like twelve hundred. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was not not a, not an which affordable. May cover your rent if you're lucky.
0: And to me, another frustrating thing is the definition of market price in the city. Oh my god! Because I was told that this city has one in four people live in poverty, apparently, yeah, or at least right. are at the poverty line. Yeah. And like maybe there are people like me who have a support system where it's like okay, technically poverty, but like you know, and that's lucky. But then a lot of them aren't, you know, oh. and and so. Uh, If that's the truth, first of yeah. all, that means transportation should be free.
1: <laughs> transportation should be free, Why at least not? public
0: transit. At yeah. least for one in four people, if you're that fourth person in, <laughs> in the yeah, turnstile,
1: like it's three dollars and twenty five cents to take a trip somewhere. Doesn't yeah, matter. People never want to hear that anything should be free. They're like, we have to pay for it. It's like, no, we already pay for it. Actually, we put money into so much bullshit. Yeah, that, but, like it going back to war or whatever that could go, like could easily go back into these things. And people, also, people don't, don't even... want
0: to hear homeless people are getting things for free because to them, it's like yeah. that's what makes. But them homeless, homeless people
1: want a home, but for like free. I work yeah right. right. you know i work with so many people who are like i just really want a place to live and they cannot like where can you rent anything when you have no money
0: so okay my second question for that would be i know there's so much it's not my second question okay is uh the um what about the idea of trying to get people back into the workplace how where is that as a priority with this kind of thing should it be a priority well i
1: mean i think okay look if you were stranded on an island what's the first thing you would do
0: i would want to have bowie um low i would want to have you're like okay and i
1: thought about the, the food i would eat <laughs> smith
0: and wesson to shine and, and okay, anyway, then the desert you island build a shelter yes you build a shelter so
1: your first if your basic needs are getting met like how do you how do you like it's hard to be homeless because right now it's not like you could just stay in one shelter for a long period of time and like get on your feet it's like you get kicked around like you might get like not be able to stay in one place and then you can't get a bed and then you end up in a respite, which is like this place that is so bare bones, doesn't have showers, has a mat on the floor. Like, but then you have to worry that day, like, where are you going to stay that night? Like, uh-huh. I don't think a job, this is already a full-time job at this point
0: and, but, but of so just
1: trying to survive.
0: If you have some level of PTSD, if you've had like trauma after trauma in your life, big or small, and then it's... Uh, how are you going to get back into the, in the workplace, possibly ever? You know, I or mean, like,
1: how are we not traumatizing you more?
0: Well, that's and true. That's it. Like, I mean, now you're going you're through that in the, 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 the shelter system,
1: yeah.
0: And I, but it's like, how would you not? I mean, it would take years before yeah. I. And I think that sometimes the the amount of time it takes to help people in a in a serious sense is also daunting for people because they're just like how would the system
1: so much money for all of these workers for all of these shelter bits for all of this stuff and you're like this money like we make all these assumptions okay this homeless person is gonna need support it's like actually if they just had housing they might not need anybody yeah they might not need you at all they yeah. may not need me as a worker well their health that. might
0: improve and then they wouldn't yeah. go to the doctor like, uh, it, it, emerge to the emergency ER or something well, so I mean, as much. because the
1: average age of mortality for a homeless woman in the city of Toronto is 42 years old Yeah, that actually it's 38 years me. old and for a man it's 42 years old it yeah. may have dropped over the last couple of years but you know and this is like it is so horrible it's hard to get out of poverty you don't just jump class that's not how life works
0: can we do show and tell okay. now? Okay, so this is...
1: What is this? Tape.
0: It's tape. Janis <laughs>
1: Joplin, greatest hits. Janis
0: Joplin's greatest hits. What do you think about Janis Joplin? Another person...
1: Who died really young.
0: Victim of...
1: The drug war. The drug
0: war. <laughs> I don't think she was really a victim of <laughs> a the drug war. Celebrity
1: excessiveness. I think
0: she was more of a victim I think she of, had a pretty... of pain or something. Yeah, but
1: I also think she had like a pretty interesting life. It's not all grim. She died young.
0: I was never a huge fan of her. Mu- Do you like her music?
1: Um,
0: That's a long one.
1: Yeah, I think Janis Joplin's okay. I never was like a huge fan.
0: I wasn't really when a got, crazy I, fan, No. but I heard live footage that made me really like her. Oh yeah,
1: no, I've watched and, like live Monterey footage of her. Pop or oh, whatever yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. No, she was a good entertainer.
0: Any other thoughts on Janis Joplin?
1: I don't know why it made me think of Led Zeppelin.
0: Well, wow, same thing. People go, "I like Janis Joplin, Led Zeppelin." It's like you People don't go like, to the head shop. Everyone hates
1: Led Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin. I will not lie. Pervs. I love Led Zeppelin. Perves.
0: What's your favorite Led Zeppelin song?
1: Uh, I don't know what my favorite is.
0: Communication breakdown.
1: No, that's because you covered that. I feel like when you were in <laughs> brutal nights, nights, yeah,
0: black dog.
1: I do love Black So they call well, depression I just, yeah I like Led Zeppelin 4 like pretty much that whole record yeah. except like the last
0: song but... so what about this what's this you can show Tup- it to the camera uh, Tupac Tupac Resurrection a documentary about Tupac in his own words how many
1: documentaries have there been about Tupac not a ton you don't I think feel so? like three
0: or four maybe I feel
1: like there's so much about Tupac there was the movie Tupac about is. Tupac that I there's just so saw So all eyes Tupac. on me It's a, it's amazing he's still he's still here guys what do you think of Tupac I thought he was really handsome when I was younger. I had a crush on him. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved him in the film with Janet Jackson. Oh, uh,
0: Poetic Justice.
1: Yeah, I liked his nose ring.
0: He Yeah, it was cool he had a nose ring.
1: It's hot. Yeah. I thought he was so hot.
0: Did you like his lyrics?
1: I don't really know if I like Tupac's picture perfect. music Picture I paint so a perfect
0: picture. What about... <laughs> I see no changes.
1: I love Janet Jackson, though.
0: Oh, okay, I don't have any Janet Jackson Sorry, for you. Sorry, but I'm I into
1: much. this. Okay, I like Tupac.
0: Uh, do you have anything else to say?
1: No. Okay. Who, this is the last who really, Oh I have who really two more did things it. Well, The Babysitter's Club Baby it The club? Babysitter's Club VHS Do you think that this was like my time? Actually, no I you would have been yeah, this. probably
0: in your 20s This the my when this sister's came out. time maybe So no but I just want to know what you thought of the Babysitter's Club
1: You know I don't know
0: Friends Forever that's what it says.
1: I don't know what the, I don't know about the babies. I don't know about the Babysitters Club.
0: Okay, well, as far as I know, there were these babysitters who formed a club. They were all women, but there was a guy, judging by the uh, the cover. I mean, being a
1: babysitter was a big deal. I babysat a lot as a kid. I uh-huh. made a lot of money babysitting. Yeah. Well, not a lot, but I would get I would have money because like I like Sorry. my family had so many kids that you couldn't just like. Um. Yeah, you had to like fend for yourself. You wanted new shoes, you got to buy those. You got to figure that out.
0: Wait, so you made money babysitting your own siblings?
1: No, my mom would never pay me for that. That's yeah. a chore. That's a chore. Um, but like the neighbor's kids. Right. And I babysat a lot of neighbor's kids. Danny. What?
0: Was there a boy named Danny? <laughs> Danny. I
1: don't know if I ever babys- babysat All right, this
0: is the last thing I have. What's it called? I'll show it to you.
1: The right words. The 350 best things to say to get along with people. Do you want to
0: open it up and try them on me?
1: Okay, I can barely see anything. Okay. In this section. You've been here
0: for a while.
1: Well, also my eyes from school are just so messed up. I actually am supposed to wear glasses, but I'm not going to go reach in my bag to get them. One of the most effective ways to get along with people and to develop rich, lasting friendships is to express an interest in their lives and a concern for them. Right. I feel like I'm pretty good at that. While most of us would help our friends when they need help, we sometimes don't verbalize our concern and our readiness to help. Yet, such words can be a source of great comfort and strength to people.
0: That's true. Do you want to try one of the words?
1: I wonder where the words are. I
0: think that's just to be a few pages after that. Really? Is that being helpful?
1: Show that you'll be there for your friends. Quote, I care... Is something bothering you?
0: Oh, thank you for asking.
1: Would you like to talk about it?
0: Well, my eyes are a little dry from the heat, and I might want to take a bath. I'm also very tired now. You take baths? Yes, of course. I always
1: feel like it's weird when someone says they take baths. I don't know why. It's not weird.
0: No, it feels good.
1: Um, Please feel free to discuss this matter at any time, including now.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, let me think about that. Use a bath bomb. No. I have Epsom salts, but and uh, bubble bath.
1: Are they like lavender Epsom salts? No, they were avocado
0: and mineral. Avocado 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 oil, I guess, is
1: good for your skin. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Here, can I try one on you?
1: Okay.
0: I'll try a different section. Okay. Being a friend. (laughs) Stand up for your friends by defending them against anyone who speaks abusively about them. Your friends will appreciate your support, and others will know that you are loyal to your friends. I know name of friend. I know Z- Judy well enough to know that your remarks are unfair. He's one, she's one of the most considerate people I know. I used, Avoid to love, listening to... I used to
1: love the name Judy.
0: Yeah, it's a cool name. And then I had a
1: woman named Judy like hate me at my job. Oh no! And she used to leave like horrible messages on my phone that I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like I'm so scared. To now you don't her. like
0: Judy anymore.
1: No, I still like the name. I know another couple of Judy's.
0: Avoid listening to rumors about others, which can be destructive to everyone. She has a friend of mine, and I don't wish to listen to gossip about her.
1: (laughs) That's nice. Just as
0: I would refuse to hear rumors about you, so I am refusing to hear rumors about him.
1: Mm.
0: You should do that stuff at the site. When people like, come up Guys. to you and they're like, "Skelly, I saw Skelly hanging."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do actually tell people to tone it down.
0: Yeah, that's good because I know that, that that street culture is all about that like neighborhood watch shit. You know? Like, oh, yeah. I like, saw this like, guy, guy culture, over there. He came out of get prison. Too, and
1: I'm like, yo, 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 yo. Well, how much? How much?
0: How much? Is there a mixture of people working there who were on the street and? Oh yeah, some still are. You know, like
1: there's still people who are like part of communities that work in spaces, which is cool actually. But like that's a particular challenge because you gotta have different boundaries. You don't get to leave this stuff. You start to have a little bit more power. Yeah.
0: Well, Zoe, thank you so much for coming.
1: Thanks. I hope that was fun. Do you
0: have anything you want to
1: say? It was fun when we were in bands together.
0: again oh, weekly, oh, Nick. Oh, Flanagan. Oh, weekly. Oh, Nick Flanagan again weekly
1: Nick Flanagan again weekly four times a week for